Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Morning, everybody. How are you doing? Good. Uh, If it's your first time here or if you don't know me, my name's Josiah. I'm not the senior pastor. Um, I am one of many. I heard Candace told me that there was a couple that started coming a few weeks ago, and uh, they have yet to hear um, Pastor Quentin speak because we've had all these guest speakers. So um, I'm not him, so just if you're here this morning, just uh, wait, what is it, one more week? You preach next Sunday? The Sunday after? I don't know. Anyways, uh, we have a group, Mountain Gateway, here, and um, he, Pastor Quentin, our senior pastor, has been um, really intentional pouring in through the week, so a handful of us have been jumping in to kind of help lighten the load of of speaking a little bit. So uh, it's my opportunity this morning, and I'm uh, very thankful to be here with you all. So Ken, we'll uh, open up with prayer and kind of dive into it. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for um, what you've been doing uh, in our hearts this week. We thank you for um, what you're doing this morning. God, we thank you for just the, um, even these past few weeks with the Mountain Gateway crew um, and everything that you've been uh, ministering to them and, and the freedom that's happened and the um, just the joy and the um, experience that they've had in your presence for these past few weeks. We thank you for them and the blessing that they are. Um, not only to you, but also to this church as they've um, been serving um, with their hearts and um, their minds this time. So, Father, we just pray and uh, ask that in this moment, God, you are with us. Uh, We thank you that your presence is here. Uh, We thank you that you love to be with us, and we thank you that you love um, and find joy in our presence with you. So we bless you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty, so um, today I'm going to kind of go in a more of a, uh, I want to share kind of where I've been um, on a personal journey with the Lord uh, this past couple of years and even recently past couple of months. Um, and so normally, uh, last time I spoke, I spoke with my wife, Candice, and uh, it was fun. Um, we enjoy enjoyed speaking together, and it was nice not to have to be the only one up here and uh, uh, talking the entire time, so that's it's really nice to have that. So, um, but because it was such a personal, kind of felt to go more in a personal route. Um, it's just me, and this has been uh, something that, uh, as I dive into it, it's a process that I've been on, um, and in in the midst of. And so I don't know if anybody's ever watched a uh, YouTube video to figure out how to do something. Um, I do that probably a little more often than I should with the job that I do in construction and carpentry, and uh, so we don't tell the homeowners, Um, but um, probably shouldn't say that, but anyways, I mean, you know, that's why they're there, so sometimes you don't always have somebody to learn from in person, and so the best option is the professional on YouTube, so I I joke and how we're professional DIYers sometimes. Um, Anyways, so... I don't know if you've ever watched the video and somebody's sharing what they're doing. And to start, they say, this is my first time doing this. And you're like, well, one, why are you making a video? And then why am I watching this? Um, so, and they go through all their mistakes or whatever. And, 
So anyways, this, this message kind of like that um, in, in some ways. So just kind of uh, bear with me. I know this is, uh, this is a journey that I'm on. And, um, you know, Pastor Quentin is, is inspired as he's um, preached on rest a few weeks ago, if you've been with us preaching on rest and slowing down in the journey um, that he's been on personally. And so, figured, you know, if he can share um, on a journey that he's in and working through, um, I think I'm, I'm safe to do the same. And so we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, but anyways, we're going to start in uh, John 15, verse 4. John 15, verse 4. It says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and that shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. It's lots of abiding. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You're my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever I ask, you ask the Father in my name, he may give you these things I command you that you love one another. When Candace and I moved here in... Um, 2019, we decided um, it was a good time to give some space. So I had been working at a church, Covenant Love, um, in, uh, in North Carolina for about eight years. And so when we moved up here, I took a month. I was able to take a month before going into work and just kind of take a break for a minute. And uh, one of the things that Candace and I decided to do was to kind of evaluate where we were at as a, as a couple um, in our marriage, as a family. Um, but we decided to kind of ask the question of, you know, what's something that we feel that we need to work on? Um, it's always good to do that, you know, every once in a while, even a, even a yearly thing, maybe six months if you're married or um, have a family, and just kind of evaluate and say, you know, how are we doing? Where are we at? What do we need to work on? And so we did that and kind of wrote some things down. And the main thing that we um, came to as far as area of needing to grow the most was uh, friendship. And I know that sounds a bit odd. You know, we had been married for seven years, I think. Um, get that right, yeah. So about seven years. And so, you know, it's kind of an odd thing to, uh, after seven years, you kind of reevaluate and you're like, oh, we kind of need to be better friends, I think. And so um, it was something that, not that we were in an, an unhealthy spot in our marriage, but it was almost like this void that we realized, you know, we had gone through our, through our marriage thus far, and realized that we hadn't really made space. We kind of just, you know, you get in that routine and that rut of just going through the, the motions or um, taking care of the, the family duties, and you just kind of get caught up in life and work and, 
You know, you check in every once in a while, but it's not this continual pursuit of, of a friendship. And so we wrote it down. Um, not really, honestly, we didn't really know what that meant or that was supposed to look like or what it looked like for us, but we wrote it down anyways. And then we wrote down some things that we thought would kind of help cultivate that and pursue that. And so, you know, there's things like, you know, having fun together. That's an important piece. Um, you know, just enjoying time one another. A uh, big piece was prioritizing our time together, um, something that uh, I don't think, you know, I was very good at um, before moving up here. And so making space for one another. Um, but I think the, and looking back, you know, because every year, we try and do it every year or every so often and kind of reevaluate. And so since we've been up here for the two and a half years, I think that friendship has been, you know, it's like, what about this year? Oh, probably friendship again. What about this year? Yeah, let's keep working at it. You know, so it's been this um, continual journey and process. And, you know, I look back and it is incredible to see um, kind of where we've come. And I think um, for me and, and for Candace, I asked her as well, but what things that we believe have really attributed to growth in that area. And for me, um, the two things were listening and talking, giving space to listen to one another, giving space to talk to one another, and giving space to share where we're at with life, with personal, with conflicts that we have with one another, with tensions that we feel in the moment. And, you know, before it was, we would have a moment of tension, and I'm not, very, I'm not a very aggressive person, so I'm not allowed, you know, if you guys know me at all, you know I, I rarely raise my voice. If ever, if ever, we don't, our discussions are discussions, they're not, you know, fights. So I don't raise my voice, and so she doesn't raise my voice. She would say if I was a person that did raise my voice, she would raise her voice back. And so, um, so anyways, fortunately I'm not. Um, and so she would probably win. Um, so, so anyways, we, um, you know, we got to this place and um, just kind of realized that giving space in the midst of those moments and instead of waiting, which what used to be four or five days of the silent treatment almost because I was non-confrontational, has now transitioned into in the moment, all right, let's talk through this, you know. And so um, it's opened up an avenue of trust. Um, we knew we had lived our marriage um, that thus far in a place of not fully trusting um, one another because we didn't give space to truly know one another and hear each other's hearts. And so we wrote out those things um, and began to work on them. We chose to ask questions and remain in a place of seeking to understand one another, even in the uncomfortable, the awkwardness, the moments of tension and confusion, and really not under, truly not understanding each other because we are different. And so how does this whole piece tie into the scripture that I shared earlier? Well, honestly, for me personally, I would say that um, in the same way with our marriage, friendship with God has probably been the biggest area that has lacked in my life personally over the years of um, of being with him, and so it's come and gone, and, and you know, realizing over these two years is I've also had space uh, myself and kind of taken a step back out of the role of ministry and reevaluating um, why am I in this 
place of realizing the distance that I've had with God and kind of tracking it back and a number of things, but realizing at the end of the day, there's this place where uh, friendship was not made the most important piece in my walk with God. And so I wanted to dive into this section where Jesus shifts to calling his disciples servants to friends. Um, He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. So it's cool to see that, first off, Jesus wanted the friendship. Like, it wasn't just his disciples saying, can we be your friend? Like, can we be your buddy? You know, like he initiated that transition. And in that time, um, obviously the disciples, they um, they were followers of him. They devoted their lives to him. He was considered, you know, a rabbi, a teacher. And so in that culture, I don't believe friendship, a mutual friendship, was the biggest idea between teacher, uh, rabbi, and servant, or rabbi, and student. And so it was a huge shift, even for them, that their rabbi, Jesus, who they also knew to be the Messiah, would extend this invitation and understanding to be their friend. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. So instead of um, initially, you know, we might read that and we might jump into the place of um, saying the if is there. So there's an if to the command. So in order to be my friend, I have to earn his friendship by doing what he commands. That's kind of like how our mind generally tends to operate. It's how mine does anyways, because I want to know if there's a thing that I can do to earn my place in this relationship with him. I want to make sure that I'm doing that so that I know I'm right with him. But I want to kind of not go that route, take a step further and back, well, back up, instead of taking a step further, but back up and ask some questions. So the first question would be, what is his command? Well, we read in that scripture, his command is to love one another. Right? He repeats that a couple of times. This is what I command, that you love one another. So let's ask another question. What is love? Galatians 5, we read that love is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, obviously, there's uh, knowing that God is love, but in this, in this instance, realizing that love is a fruit of the Spirit. Let's ask another question. How do we bear fruit? Well, he said it a few times in this passage. Abide or remain in him. He said abide like 11 times. That's quite a lot in a small passage of Scripture. So how do we bear fruit? We remain with him. We remain in his presence. And how do we abide? We choose to. And that's pretty much all I have. So we made good time today. And uh, <laughs> enjoy the rest. No, just kidding. Um, so we choose to. And, um, but when we take a step back, you know, we kind of ask those questions and back up a little bit. We realize that our abiding and our friendship with God, while it is reflected in our relationship to others and kind of how we interact with people in, in, in the world around us, it's really truly rooted in our abiding with him. Our friendship with him is rooted in our abiding or being with him on a day-to-day regular basis. The if in that place is not meant to come from a place of doing but rather being in the Father's presence, listening and talking to him on a regular basis throughout our days. We see this with the disciples. 
And Jesus' invite, it was a continual, come and be with me. Come and follow me. Come and hang out with me. Come and join me in this journey every single day. And we know in that time, being a disciple of Jesus, PQ has taught on it a few times, but being a disciple of Jesus did not mean like, okay, we'll meet once, once a week and we'll kind of have a session together and then we'll go about our, our day. It did not mean, you know, we'll see you at the synagogue on Sundays or we'll, um, you know, have breakfast on Tuesdays and a couple times through the week and then we'll um, do a, a Zoom call or we'll send messages and, you know, kind of chat as we can in the midst of our busy lives. No, they sacrificed everything to be with him and they chose in that moment every single day their purpose and their mission was to be with him, to become like him. In their conversations, and their struggles, and their emotions, in their doubts, because these were not perfect people, they did not come from perfect backgrounds, they did not automatically accept and believe and were instantly in this place of understanding everything about Jesus and everything that he did and everything that he taught. He had a tax collector and a fisherman on the same group of disciples. Those were mortal enemies in that time. Horrible enemies. And they, so there was tension. There was conflict. There were moments of uneasiness, uncomfortableness. All of this stuff. And yet he called them. In the midst of that, and in those moments, and the questions, even in the excitement, they were with him. And his goal for them was not so that when he left, they could just know all the things about him. When he left, that they would know who he was, that he was a great teacher, that he did some great stuff, and they could write about him, and we could read about him later. But his goal with them in that season was so that at the end of it, they could truly know him and know his heart, and know the heart of the Father. That's why when they said, teach us to pray, he started with our Father, and he repeatedly referred to God as Father, because he wasn't trying to just get information into their minds, he was trying to make a shift in their hearts of being with him every single day of who he was, and who the Father was, and that they could trust him. And out of that, a friendship was established. It wasn't so that they could do verbatim everything that he did and all of that, but that they would truly know him, experience him, and out of that place, everything else would flow. So I worked at a church at Covenant Love for about eight years or so before we moved here. And while it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies every day, for the most part, we had a really great um, a staff working environment at the church. And whether you wanted it or not, you were involved in some spiritual activity or aspect of Jesus being in your daily rhythm. Prayer, weekly worship or weekly prayer with the staff. We had events. We were involved in, you know, whether it was counseling, whether it was somebody came in off the, off the street or a, or a congregation member coming and needing prayer, somebody calling in and needing prayer. Like you were always engaged in something. You would walk in. You know, and the receptionist, you say good morning, and they're on the phone praying and interceding in the Holy Spirit, and sha-ta-ta-ta, you know, in the name of Jesus, be free, and all this stuff. And you're like, all right, good morning to you too. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that was just not every day, but sometimes you would walk in, and there would be a prayer meeting going on. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and so for me, it was just, 
It was a constant surrounding of that, you know? And so we, eight years of that, and it was awesome, and um, had a wonderful time there. And then we shifted up here, and it was like, if I didn't do it, it wasn't there. If I didn't pursue, if I didn't take the step, if I didn't make the initiative, that was not there. And I didn't. Um, a little bit here and there. It was sporadic at best. There was no um, discipline with it. There was no um, commitment or consistency in it. And so little by little, um, there was just very little pursuit. There was little listening. There was very little talking. And I realized that just like in our marriage for years, I had put more emphasis and relied on the actions of relationship to fulfill the end goal of knowing his heart and becoming his friend. And so once those were taken away, I didn't have much to stand on. Once the actions of weekly worship and prayer and having to be ready to counsel somebody and having to be in the moment of prayer and not really having um, an option in that and realizing once all of that was taken away and my whole, um, and a big part, I say whole, but a big part of my relationship with God was centered and founded on just doing all of these pieces and never really taking a step back and saying, why am I doing them in the first place and where are they flowing from? Where is this coming from? All of it was taken away and I didn't really have many answers for those questions. So what happens in these moments? For me personally, it became like a friendship or a marriage. You know how sometimes your friends, you just grow apart, you stop talking, you stop connecting. Um, even in marriage, you know, you get to that place where you just, you're just passing each other and it's just like, who, wait, did I say I do? Like, who are you? You know, you're just roommates almost. Your friends that once were, were so great and then all of a sudden you're like, how was I such good friends with you and now I don't know anything about you? That's what it was becoming. There was no communication and ultimately seemingly no purpose in the relationship and so the lies would start to set in. You read the promises in the Bible or that second, the second song that we were singing about you know, God being faithful and the promises and all of that. But it didn't seem like you know, with, with the lies and the lack of communication and the lack of relationship, it didn't seem like those promises worked out too well in the way that I wanted them to. You know, we had six miscarriages before we had Rua. We had, um, you know, even in our church family in different instances where you have, and PQ's taught on the disappointment where you have these moments where people are interceding for somebody and they pass away, a family member, a friend, and you don't have the questions as to why, but you have the piece of, well, we stood on these promises. And to me, it doesn't seem like you're holding up your end of the bargain. And so when we don't have the relationship and the continual place of opening up and asking and listening and talking, we begin to create our own perspectives about that individual, or in my case, about God, in those moments. And so it got to the point where, you know, the lie comes in and it's like, well, if I can pray for this and it doesn't happen, then ultimately isn't God just going to do what he wants whether I pray or not? You know? What's the point of praying? What's the point of this? What's the point of 
my walk with Jesus and this relationship that I have, if I can pray or not, I can, do, I can do all the things that he says in his word, but when it doesn't happen the way that I, well, ultimately it wasn't happening the way that I thought it should or needed to, but you compound those lies and you begin to focus on that instead of allowing space to let the truth of who he is sets in, even in the midst of that, because we can't take those away and we can't expect them to never happen, but it turns into this place of what's the point? What's the point of this relationship if, honestly, if my life kind of seemed like it was going on as normal without it? I wasn't praying as much. I even got to the point where I wouldn't text back in the group messages of like, hey, can you pray for this? Can you? I wouldn't say praying because I wasn't. And so I didn't want to lie because I still had that um, <laughs> moral compass. So I couldn't lie. And so I just didn't respond. I didn't pray. Um, I wasn't reading, it was very sporadic, and so without all these practices that I thought were necessary to maintain whatever life I had, they stopped, and so my life carried on, and ultimately I was like, well, what's the point of it all? What's the point of this? There's a happy ending to this. Um, (laughs) So there's no communication, no opportunity for understanding And the false narrative sits in. You know, what started as them in a marriage, what started as them not putting the toilet seat down turns into they never loved me in the first place, you know, when we we let our minds just kind of ramble on and travel. And it just, we just let it go, you know, and we don't have anything to course correct our thoughts. So I didn't understand Therefore, I didn't care to commit. I was treating it as a contract instead of a covenant. And I decided that the contract, well, it really wasn't that important. I could just go about life as normal without it all. My friendship was based on whether or not he answered the prayers in the way that I thought he should. Basically, what I wanted him to do in my life, it was all based around that. And nothing more. There was no friendship there. There was ultimately no trust. There was no understanding, not even knowing who he was. So with my wife, we're completely different. Some ways we're similar, but there's a lot of ways we're different, and oftentimes we have different perspectives. However, my ability to understand her or not does not qualify or disqualify my commitment to pursuing her. I committed my life to her when I said I do through the covenant of marriage. And over these two years, I've found out that it's in the pursuit, in the midst of the questions and misunderstanding, that our friendship deepens all the more. It's not in the distance. It's not in the running away in those moments. But it's in in those times of saying, you know what, I don't understand you. But I know that if I run away, it's not going to help anything. So my only choice is just to sit in this spot until I can come to a place of understanding why. And sometimes with God, we can't, like, there's some things that we just can't. And that's the tough part. You know, with my wife, I can, we can talk things out and we can really have that, you know, face-to-face conversation. And sometimes we don't get that with God. 
Because there's some things that we don't, we don't need to understand at the end of the day because it takes away a big part of our trust and our faith in him. But it doesn't mean that I need to stop the pursuit of friendship. It doesn't mean that I need to stop listening. It doesn't mean that I need to stop talking. It doesn't mean that I need to stop and turn and run away and say, what's the point of this? Because I don't understand you. And uh, this has happened many, many times in our relationship uh, with me and my wife, and it will continue to happen. We're going to continue to have these moments. That's why Jesus said, you know, daily you take up your cross. It's a daily practice. It's a daily coming to him. And so, you know, how often do we jump into our walk with Jesus, our ministry, and so quickly allow the spiritual practices or habits that we have, the prayer, the fasting, the worship, coming to church, even community, reading scripture, silence and solitude, practicing Sabbath, all these pieces that we kind of um, create and the things that Jesus taught to have a life with him. And we take them and we create them to be the end rather than the means to the end. So we, we take them and we say, well, the goal of prayer is to pray. And so I did that and awesome. The goal of reading scripture is to read scripture. And so I did that. I got some knowledge, felt like I kind of settled things in my heart or whatever, and so boom, good to go. Even in church, I remember with community, community was a big thing, and so in that setting, I would create community. The idea of community was fascinating, the idea of it, and so I would focus on community being the end goal, and we got together and we hung out and it was a good time, but I missed the purpose of it. There's a heart of God found in connecting with one another, and so we can take all these different pieces, we come to church, and we let that be the end goal. And for some of us, that's where we're at, and that's okay. Like, if, if you're at that place and you're like, I don't know about any of this, all I know is that I need to just keep coming back here on Sunday, awesome. Like, keep coming back. That is great. But we take these pieces of our walk with Jesus, and we see them as the end goal. But knowing that the end goal of prayer is not to pray, the goal of reading scripture is not just to get Bible knowledge. Fasting, the goal of fasting, for those that do, um, it's, a, it's a tough one. But uh, the goal is not to starve ourselves, because um, that's just awful. So there's a deeper purpose in all of these pieces. There's a deeper purpose in why we do this stuff. The goal is to know the Father. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life, that you would know me. Eternal life, according to that scripture, is not just the moment that we get to heaven and enter into that place. But he says, eternal life is to know him. It's possible while we're here. But it's to abide in him. Goal is to begin to trust him, to live the way of Jesus, to have a friendship, to accept his invitation that he gave to the disciples of come and be my friend and to walk this life with him in that way. Same with community, Sabbath, rest, all these pieces. The goal of rest is not just to get to a place where you don't do as much stuff and you say, hey, cool, I got more time to do whatever, you know, like, the goal of silence and solitude. Solitude is not just to be alone. You're like, cool, I was alone for 10 minutes, sweet. I got that done. 
Um, let's go back to Netflix. And sometimes, honestly, you know, in our marriage, we need a reset. We need those moments where we take a step back and evaluate. We're all in different spots in this journey. Some of you have excellent friendship with God. And this is connecting with you on a totally different way than someone who is just struggling to make it last. And you're right on the edge. But we need a reset and whatever stage, we take a step back and evaluate how much space have I given to listen, to ask questions, to talk without asking for something, and just to be with him and let that be enough. To talk without asking for something. That was a big thing because my perspective of prayer was the things that I was asking for. And when you don't believe, when you believe that he's going to do whatever he wants regardless, then what's the point of asking for things? And if that's the concept of prayer, then, then of course it would be a no-brainer of why you would need it in the first place. So there's a man named Brother Lawrence, 15th century Parisian monk who was converted to the way of Jesus who devoted his life to abiding. So he literally made it his life goal to say, I want to be with Jesus. And what he calls the practice of the presence of God. He was a dishwasher in a monastery for years, and he would write letters to people all over Europe about practicing the presence of God. In one of his letters, he writes, The time of business does not with me differ with the time of prayer, and in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God. And as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees before the blessed sacrament. So in our language, our time in the secret place, or our time on a Friday night worship session where God's presence is so thick, and we're in those moments of worship and prayer and you know that God is there, those times are just as important as it is while I'm making dinner for a bunch of monks and they're all angry and they're screaming and they're, maybe not screaming, they're monks, but they're, they're, getting, they're getting hungry and they're all asking for stuff, they're asking for more food and it's chaotic and whatever. But that time is no different than the time in the closet on my knees before God in prayer. And that was where he centered his life around, where there was no difference. Where being with him was all the same no matter where he was at. So while we're dealing with another upset customer for our business, we're still in the Father's presence. We're doing another house showing, we're still in the Father's presence. While we're in the hospital with our sick kid, we're still in the Father's presence. Dealing with three tired kids who don't want to go to bed, dealing in the Father's presence. Sports practice, or driving to class in two-degree weather, wondering if this portion of the Mountain Gateway training was really worth it, and still in the Father's presence. In the midst of our chaos, business, social media, attention, technology-infused lives, it is possible to cultivate a friendship of continual listening and talking and inviting God into our space, not when everything is nice and neat and perfect and we're in a good space like this, but when you leave and you 
say something dumb and it sparks another argument with your spouse or you leave and your kids are getting annoying and you just, uh, you know, get in the car and be quiet kind of thing, you know. So this moment is just as important as those in God's presence can be and should be in us in these moments and in our personal times just as much as through the day-to-day. And for me, it was just such a separation. You know, it was, if I wasn't in that space separately, then he wasn't anywhere through, through the day. It was just this constant separation. And so shifting my focus to friendship not being a place where it's just me shut away, and this is the only time that I can pursue friendship with God, to opening it up to every part of my day and giving space to listen and to talk and just have conversation was a shift for me. A man by the name of Dallas Willard says this, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret to caring for our souls. Our part in practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. Notice the redirect. In the early time of our practicing, we may be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God, meaning that we're going to get distracted. Like, this is not just preach about it, and even me talking about it, I know there's challenges to this. Our mind is constantly racing. Our thoughts are everywhere, especially if you carry lots of responsibility in your work or your job or or whatever life situation that you're in. Even if you don't, when we sit in these moments and try and focus, initially, I ran out of Oh, toilet paper, keep going to, back to that. Uh, yeah, I have to get more groceries. I've got to put more wood in the fire. I've got to get more wood because we ran out for the winter. I've um, got my kids who are yelling at me or trying to, they need something. You know, and, and, and even in that, what's the latest episode of whatever Netflix show that you might be watching? You know, when does that come out next? And it's just those random thoughts that keep coming in and wanting to invade this time. But he says, redirect our minds constantly to him. In the early time of our practicing, we may be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. But these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. New grace-filled habits will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps in keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass returns to north If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. Our friendship with God is made in these moments. Every day, choosing to sit with him, choosing to think on him, choosing to invite him into our day. In the midst of the the questions, because I know we have them, I struggled with, I did, I did a little bit when I was working at the church, but as a pastor, sometimes it's hard to share the questions, you know, because there's just this, you know, if I do share where I'm at and the struggles, what does that look like, you know? Should I be pastoring? And all that stuff that comes in and wants to kind of rob us of the opportunity to discover Jesus in a deeper and more intimate way and discover his heart for us, 
when we shield ourselves from those questions and shield ourselves from actually being able to dive in a little bit deeper and ask, ask the hard stuff, confront what we're dealing with, conf confront, um, I can't remember exactly that line in the last song, um, despite my unbelief, I choose to trust you. Like that's a real thing. Despite my unbelief, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. No matter what I feel, I choose to trust you. And getting to that place does not happen overnight. For a lot of us, for any friendship, really, even in marriage, it's taken us over seven years, you know, eight years, whatever it's been, to be like, oh, cool, I think I, you know, I know you a little bit better. I think I trust you like I didn't before. You know, and we've opened up about things with each other that we hadn't in like seven years, and that's such a crazy thought, but it's so easy how we could just go through life, and you're like, man, I've just been really kind of just going with the flow in this and taking it easy and, and not really addressing the hard stuff, not giving space for that. You know, how was your day? Good, good. How was yours? Great. Awesome. Um, you know, and so, not that it was that way for seven years, uh, you know. But um, we definitely had moments where it was just like super surface, you know. And so it's crazy how we can just get to that place and you're like, wow, I realized I never knew, you know, sometimes we would even, in car rides we started, we have this app, this marriage app, and it's got like conversation starters. And so like we'll be in, not all the time, but every once in a while we'll be on a car ride and we'll just like not talking. And it's okay for silence, that's great. Um, we don't talk much in the car, but sometimes we'll pull that app up and we're like, all right, just ask a question. Like, get started somewhere, and we find something new about each other, you know, or it goes into a further conversation. Sometimes they need help having those conversations. But it's never too late to make this shift back to him. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he's always there waiting. Like he's not, he doesn't give up on us as easily as we give up on him. And so he's going to be there, right back in that spot. And when I first, you know, first started trying to get back to that place of prayer, it was awkward, you know, it was just this thing of like, all right, you know, it's been a while. Um, here's, boom, 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 whatever it was. Here's my thoughts, here's my whatever, and just kind of sit there, didn't hear anything back. And our wonderful patient personalities and ways of living, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes. All right, good chat. See you next time. You know, so it's, it's so easy to get to that place where we sit in those moments and it's uncomfortable because we're not used to sitting. We're not used to silence. We're not used to taking our time. We're not used to patience. And so we leave before anything even happens. And we say, you know what, God's, God's not interested in this. The enemy uses shame to keep us away but the reality is, most of us in this room have the questions, we have the doubts, we have the waverings. And shame is a tool that the enemy uses to keep us silent, thinking that we're alone in this spot. I want to read a quick page here and then uh, kind of give a couple of, a few more things and we'll be finished. Um, this is a book that uh, a friend had given me to, 
to talk through together, kind of read as a daily um, thing. It's uh, little snippets by Oswald, Oswald Chambers. And um, so it says, taking the initiative against despair. In the garden of Gethsemane, the disciples went to sleep when they should have stayed awake. And once they realized what they had done, it produced despair. The sense of having done something irreversible tends to make us despair. We say, well, it's all over and ruined now. What's the point of trying anymore? If we think this kind of despair is an exception, we are mistaken. It is a very ordinary human experience. Whenever we realize we have not taken advantage of a magnificent opportunity, we are apt to sink into despair. All the time wasted on something else when I could have been pursuing the presence of Jesus. But Jesus comes and lovingly says to us, in essence, sleep on now. That opportunity is lost forever, and you can't change that. But get up, let's go on to the next thing. In other words, let the past sleep, but let it sleep in the sweet embrace of Christ, and let us go on into the invincible future with him. There will be experiences like this in each of our lives. We will have times of despair caused by real events in our lives, and we will be unable to lift ourselves out of them. The disciples in this instance had done a downright unthinkable thing. They had gone to sleep instead of watching with Jesus. Again, it just shows like they weren't perfect. They had moments they were tired, and in that awesome moment when we would read and be like, what the heck, guys? Why'd you fall asleep? What's the matter with you? Some of us probably would have done the same thing. They had gone to sleep instead of watching with Jesus, but our Lord came to them taking the spiritual initiative against their despair and said, in effect, get up and do the next thing. If we're inspired by God, what is the next thing? It is to trust him absolutely and to pray on the basis of his redemption. Never let the sense of past failure defeat your next steps. So some of you guys, we may be in this place and just feeling like, man, I'm at such a, such a spot that maybe I never thought I would be in. Or maybe you're new to Jesus and you're like, I'm, I'm honestly, I don't know what this is about. I don't know how to take these steps. I don't know where I'm at. I feel like I've wasted so much of my life already. Feel like I've made mistakes, whatever, whatever the case is. For me, I feel like the journey is beginning again. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times I, I was hesitant to even talk about this, but I really didn't have anything else that came to mind. So, but because a lot of times when I'm going through something and I talk about it with people, it kind of like takes off this. Whew, well, that was nice, got that off my chest, and you feel good for a little bit, and you don't actually do what you said that you needed to do in the first place because you feel good talking about it. And um, it's a weird, weird habit that I've done, but I've noticed it. And so with this, I know that this is, honestly, it's just the beginning. I mean, I've had these conversations not two years ago, two weeks ago. And so it's not this thing where I'm like, all right, a couple years ago, I got that figured out, and I'm doing great. This is like... I'm right in the midst of this, which I said, that's why it's like a YouTube video. Um, I'm going to share about it, but uh, just getting started. So the journey has just begun, and for me, I'm just choosing 
to sit in silence for a period of time. For me, it's at the end of the day, because um, I'm not much of a morning person. I usually eat my breakfast in the car on the way to work, and so um, putting wood in the fire at night, and I just sit there and kind of invite him into that moment. I have not been asking for anything. I have not come to him with my list of things. He already knows those. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't. But for me personally, I wanted to sit with him without expecting anything in return. I wanted to sit with him and give space in this awkward, uncomfortable, I don't hear anything right now. I don't know what to, ex I'm not really expecting anything. I just know that in this moment, this is my first step. This is my step of saying, I'm not running, and I'm not choosing to be distant, and I'm not choosing to run away from my ability to not understand you and what's happened or the questions in my heart. I'm choosing to pursue this friendship, and right now, I'm sitting and I'm listening. I know at some point I will bring, I want to journal, I've never really done that. I, will, I want to journal, I want to write questions, I want to ask questions. But in those moments, I realized I just wanted to strip all that other stuff away that I centered around our relationship and just say, I'm gonna be here. I wanna know your heart. And just like I said, the practice of the presence of God, like it's a lifetime. It's something that I don't think we ever get to this place of fully figuring out. It's a lifetime of practice coming back to him throughout our day, throughout our week. But at the end of the day, it will be worth it. And so I want to close. Um, there is one piece that makes this pretty difficult if we don't understand this. It's one more and then we'll be finished. When Jesus left, he told his disciples, because obviously we can read the disciples and they're like, they were with Jesus. Like that's totally different than where I'm at. Jesus is not here with me. He left the disciples, but he left them not alone. In John 14, let's see, 15, I believe. It might be on the screen. Yeah. If you love me, keep my commandments. There it is again. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in, with you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So there's this understanding that when Jesus left, he gave the disciples, consequently all of us, the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit <clears throat> so that we wouldn't go back and read scripture and dismiss our responsibility of pursuit and relationship with him because we would see the disciples and say, well, they had him personally, and we don't, so we can't. He gave the Holy Spirit to come and dwell within each of us to make this friendship possible 2,000-some-whatever years later so that we can have the same experience that the disciples had with Jesus of being with him every day. 
So I want to pray. If you have not, one, obviously accepted Jesus into your heart, but you have not accepted and received the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to come and dwell and live inside of you and to make this relationship a reality in a much intimate and deeper way. Because without this, I believe it would just go back, without the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us, it would eventually go back to our own willpower and kind of using the practices that we read about in Jesus to fulfill the relationship instead of himself and his spirit fulfilling that relationship. And so if that's you, I'm going to pray and dismiss, but I, want, I wanted to make sure to give that opportunity. If that's you and you feel that in your heart, just afterwards, just come down. And we would love to pray with you. Some of you may be thinking, I'm not going to that guy. He just said he didn't even know about praying right now. I'm just kidding. It's interesting. When you kind of take a step back and you reevaluate and you just realize the truth is still there. It was just buried a bunch of, in the midst of a bunch of lies. <clears throat> you know, it's still there. For some of you who kind of were there and you went away and now you're just trying to figure out where to come back, the truth is still there. We just have to give space to uncover it and to allow it to come back. So Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you, Father, that you are enough. We thank you, Father, that in the midst of our humanity, when we just don't know what to think sometimes, we don't know even how to process our thoughts. We wonder why it's so hard to believe. We wonder why it's so hard to worship. We wonder why it's so hard to read Scripture. We wonder why our time with you in prayer or reading just has seemed so empty. We thank you in those moments, you are still there with us. We thank you that, and we believe, and I just speak that in those moments, he's actually calling us to friendship even more. He's calling us into a place of knowing him. Because when, we, when we're at those places of questions, even if we don't get the answer or whatever in, in the time frame or the way that we think, it does open up the opportunity for understanding. And so I pray, Father, that you would begin to mend our hearts, whatever lies have taken root, whatever lies have taken hold in our hearts about who you are, about what your involvement in our life looks like, about your level of caring for us. I pray that those lies would just be broken. They would begin to be overshadowed by your truth. And as we sit with you, five, ten, however many minutes, we get. And as we include you in our day and choose to center our minds and redirect and redirect and redirect and redirect our minds back to you in the midst of all of our emotions that we deal with, fear, anxiety, depression, anger, sadness, whatever it is, we redirect our minds to you and ask you, how are you in the midst of this that you would come and show us 
that you would come and speak to our hearts, that you would come and deepen the friendship that you desire so much to have with us. So Father, we bless you. We thank you that you are patient, that you are kind. And that you will meet with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.